Well, it's great to be here with you this morning. Great to be worshiping with you. And uh, man, just excited to be back celebrating with you. We are going through a series called Summit Values. Summit Values. And we've been talking about what it means to make much of Jesus Christ. We worship Jesus Christ in this place. And all of God's people said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Man, I cannot wait till we get to be in heaven celebrating with him, hearing those words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Everybody just say those words with me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Man, we are going to be lifting up the name of Jesus Christ with all we've got, and we are here to make much of him. When we talk about our passion as Summit Church and the, the role here is to be able to belong, pursue, and experience our living God, to be able to experience the richness and the depth of what it means to know him. And that's what we've been walking through in this series. We're talking about summit values, the values not just of this church, but of each and every one of us as we go after him. And uh, so just a little reminder, uh, we started out with the first value, that we preach boldly, that we preach boldly. That's not just speaking about me up front here as we bring the word, but it's about all of us as we come in expecting God to work mightily. Coming in, can't wait to hear from his word, can't wait for the Holy Spirit to challenge. I am here to be rocked by my God. Man, we long for him to move powerfully in this room. To preach boldly is something that we're all a part of. And uh, so appreciate Pastor Mark who brought the word last week powerfully and, and uh, just God meeting in this place as we walk through it together here uh, family-wise. And I appreciate you, Mark, and bringing that. And uh, preach boldly. That's the first one. And then worship authentically. Worship authentically. That we give all of ourselves to him. It's all of me in alignment with all of him. All of me in alignment with all of him. Worship authentically. It's holding nothing back. It's excited to go after him with all you've got. Man, make sure that you come in here every Sunday. Make sure that you're living your life throughout the week, longing to make much of him. All of you in. Hold nothing back, right? And then we talk about prayer, praying dependently. By the way, I don't know if you noticed this, but as we're walking through these, we're not just talking about the one word like preach or worship, but we're talking about the adverb connected to it a lot, right? It has a lot to do with it. Pray dependently. And what does it look like to lean on him, to abide in him, to draw life from him, to be able to come to him on your knees and you can't wait for him to do a work in you as you pray passionately, purposefully, dependently, leaning on him the whole way. And uh, may God get all the glory. And then we talked as well last week then about witness courageously, Witness courageously as we go after this worship, as we go after this word and time of prayer, you're getting filled up with the greatness of God in you, him literally filling you all the way to the top and spilling over. And as his glory fills you and spills over, it starts pouring into the streets and that's where the witness comes from. Witness is not some responsibility where we go out and just share even though it's not happening in our own lives. It's not that. It's that it's actually 
filling us up completely to be worshiping and celebrating him, and that's what spills over to the streets. Now you're living your life, you're walking in a way where God is getting the glory, and then when so asked, you have an answer for the reason of the hope that's in you. Worship is a huge part of our everyday life, and witness is a part of your worship. Being able to live it and share it and be real with it, getting to whomever God has so appointed that God might get the greater glory. May he, we first be about the worship that fills us up. Let that spill over to the streets, and may it make an impact to those beyond the church walls. And all of God's people said... All right, that's been so far the journey that we've been on with our uh, values. Now today we're going to gathering purposefully, gathering purposefully. So turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. How do we gather purposefully? What does that look like? Point number one, draw near to your holy God in full assurance. Draw near to your holy God in full assurance. We'll just start out here as it starts in verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith and with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience. Let's just hold right there. So he starts out and he says, therefore. And when we see the therefore, we say, what's the connecting word connecting us to, right? What's it there for? It's connecting us back to all of what's prior in Hebrews, but it's also very specifically connecting us to chapters 9 and early chapter 10. And it's talking about the greatness of Jesus Christ the glory of Jesus Christ, but more than that, that Jesus Christ, King of all kings, died for us. He died on the cross and he rose again that we might have life, eternal life. Him risen from the dead is our hope. His blood shed to be able to cover our sin. There is hope because of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about. Then he says, therefore, So because of that truth, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, he's now reiterating that statement. We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Now, he's actually talking here about kind of a Jewish uh, rite that was going on, the way that they celebrated or worshiped that was taking place. And he's looking back or reflecting back on that. And basically what happened is the high priest would go in and he would represent all of Israel, the nation of Israel, and he would enter into the Holy of Holies. And as he stepped into the Holy of Holies, he would have this moment of worship in the presence of the glory of God Almighty, stunned by who God is and his perfection. But I'm telling you, he didn't go in unprepared. He had to make sure that he was cleansed, that he was cleaned. There was this whole process he went through so that for the few minutes he was in the presence of God Almighty, he could represent the nation of Israel and he could actually be in the presence of God bluntly without dying. Being able to go into the presence of the glory of God was something that was of great privilege and it required extreme care to the cleansing and the ritual of holiness that was going on. 
And he's like, just so you know, now we can have the confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. He's like, get this man. There used to be one priest who went in and he represented all of the nation and none of the rest of Israel could go into that holy place. They couldn't go into the very throne room of the glory of the greatness of God. Only one priest and only after a lot of care to getting cleansed and then for a short time. But now, each and every one of us, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, can enter into the presence of the glory of God Almighty. And all of God's people said, don't miss that. If you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, if you confess him as Lord, you have privilege. You have right to be able to step into the throne room of the glory of God with confidence. Because his blood has covered your sin. And where there was animal's blood being used to cover the priest for just a moment in time, we have the blood of Jesus Christ covering us so that for all eternity we can enter into his presence and bask in his glory and we can draw near. And don't miss it. There is huge privilege in being able to be in the presence of the glory of God Almighty. He's like, we can enter the holy places with confidence by the blood of Jesus. It is absolutely 100% effective as we believe in him and we hand our lives over to him. We can enter into his throne room with confidence. It says, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. He's back to that same analogy again now. He's like, when the high priest would go in to the presence of the glory of God, he would actually enter through this giant physical curtain. Some say it was about 70 feet tall, and it actually was fairly thick. It weighed a lot. And so he would actually separate the curtain, and he would step in, and it would close behind him. It literally would slam down behind him. It weighed so much. And so this curtain separated the rest of humanity from the glory of God. And so you could open this curtain and step in and it would close down and now you're in the presence of God. That's what the high priest did. After he was cleansed, after he did whatever needed to be done for just that moment, he alone would step inside to the presence of God Almighty. And he's like, know this, now you can enter into the presence of the throne room of God Almighty. And how does that work? Because you're entering through the curtain that is the flesh of Jesus Christ. He's like, there was a physical curtain for this priest, but for you, there's this spiritual truth that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. And because of his death and his resurrection, you have the ability to now enter through that curtain. We come into the glory of God Almighty through Jesus Christ alone. And all of God's people said, don't miss that man. We have privilege because of Jesus Christ and we can enter in and celebrate him with all we've got. It says, truly, we enter through this curtain that is through his flesh. The death on the cross is everything. He paid a price that our sin might be covered and we have hope because of him. And now we can enter in and we can relate to him and connect to him because of the work that he has done on the cross. It says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, everybody say, that's Jesus. 
right? So we have this great high priest. This is Jesus Christ. And where there was a physical priest before that would step in in representation, he actually needed to be cleansed over and over for his own sin. And then he would step in and try to represent the sins of the nation. But we have Jesus Christ. No sin. Everybody say he's perfect. Jesus Christ is perfect. His holiness, impeccable. Not one error in him. He is God Almighty. He lived it perfectly, and he died on the cross for you and for me. And when we are entering in, we are counting on his holiness. Jesus Christ, he is our great high priest, and we are entering in with him, through him, and because of him. Praise be to God. It says, since we have a great high priest of the house of God, let us draw near. Let us draw near. Literally, let us approach. Let us depend on him. Let us commit to him. Let us behold him. Drawing near is you being blown away by the greatness of God Almighty. Drawing near. You are going to be stunned by his character. You're in awe of what he's doing. You are getting close. There is relationship. You are connecting. You are sharing along the way. You're getting real with your God, drawing near. It says, let us draw near. And just so you know, uh, throughout this passage, there are three let us commands. And so really, we've got three points, and it's built off of each of the three let us commands, all right? And so the first one here, let us draw near. Let us come in with relationship. Let us uh, connect. Let us approach. Let us depend. Let us be with him with a true heart with a true heart. Don't come in lying. Don't come in faking it. Don't come in pretending. We're coming in and we're saying, Lord God, I'm here to be with you and I'm here to celebrate you. Remember when we talked about prayer a couple weeks back and we talked about the physical posturing you can put yourself in, raising your hands up and literally saying, I am worshiping you. I adore you, right? And then putting your hands to your chest and I confess There's sin that needs to go. I'm wrong here. Please forgive me. Lord, please forgive me as I come into your presence. And then hands on the lap. And Lord, I come to you with request. I'm leaning on you and I'm trusting in you. And that is some power time with your God as you come in drawing near, true to heart, being completely honest and letting it all out on the table. It says, in full assurance of faith. In full assurance of faith. Please note, it does not say, in full assurance of our good works. Doesn't say that. Everybody say, it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that. It's not in full assurance of the fact that I've been pretty awesome the last three days. And so I'm entering into the presence of God very confidently. Like, hey God, I'm here. I've been really good the last two and a half days. I have rocked it. In fact... I cannot think of anything that I have done wrong. Not that, okay? As we enter into the presence of God, it is, Lord God, I am here because of the holiness and the perfection of Jesus Christ alone. I am not here because of me. I do not deserve it. I do not warrant it. I am here because of you. You are awesome. Your mercy is stunning. And I am ready to worship you with all I've got. I'm laying me down. It's all about you and all of God's people said. And don't miss that. 
It is so easy for drawing near to get taken for granted. And all of a sudden, as we go to pray, we're just sort of like, we run right into the prayer. We don't even think about the fact that you are speaking to the holy God of the universe who speaks in this world exists. And we start taking it for granted. And how are you doing it drawing near? At having close relationship with your God about hearing from him and longing to be able to share with him along the way in full assurance of faith that we might trust and believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and that we have hope in him. Faith, he is alive, risen from the dead, and I'm handing him my life, and he is going to do an amazing work. Faith, I believe in Jesus Christ. And are you there? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you trusting in him and leaning on him and saying, I'm giving you my life, take control. That's saved. It says, in full assurance of faith, we can enter in to this relationship with him. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Now, have you ever thought about what the word conscience means? Go ahead, really think about it. I'll give you a second here. Conscience, like what does it really mean? Really try to come up with it. Conscience. Okay. We hear these kinds of words and we skip past them pretty fast. Conscience, it's this kind of, this ability built inside of us that God has given us to understand right and wrong. And in fact, conscience is even the thing that taps on our own shoulder and says, we're in the wrong here. We're not supposed to be this place. This needs to change. Like this is the ability to understand sin in and of ourselves. Conscience. So what's with the word evil put in front of it? Evil conscience. What's going on with that? Well, first of all, when you're not saved, when you're not trusting in Christ, you're barely able to understand some of the rights and wrongs of this world. But more than that, conscience can get messed up. Here's a couple of passages. 1 Timothy 4.2. 1 Timothy 4.2. It talks about conscience being seared. Being seared. What does that mean? It means that I have practiced a certain sin so much that it doesn't feel like it's wrong anymore. Conscience starts to quiet when we repeat sin over and over and over again. And then when he talks about an evil conscience, it's like, I barely even know and understand what's wrong. It's seared like crazy because I'm just about me, right? And, And we have to be careful when we start listening to this conscience that is seared, right? A seared conscience is a lot like a speedometer that can only go to 30 miles an hour. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't help much when you're on the highway. And when it's not able to give you good feedback on what's actually going on, we got a problem. And a conscience that's evil, it's seared. It's not seeing it the way it should see it in full anyway. And uh, here's another one, not just seared, but it's self-accusing. Romans 2.15 self-accusing, conscience uh, that points to sin but doesn't give any hope is a problem, right? When conscience just taps on the shoulder and says, that's sin, that's wrong, but it just leaves us there, man, that's a horrible spot to be in. In fact, I'll say it this way, uh, accusation reveals sin, but it does not infuse any hope. That's accusation. It reveals sin but it infuses no hope. Accusation. That's what Satan does. 
And so we have to be careful. Our conscience can start to show us sin. But in fact, if it doesn't point beyond that, if we don't start getting the gist of the Holy Spirit role in it and all that Jesus Christ is, and all we're seeing is the sin, we're in a stuck moment, man. We're being accused even by ourselves and our own conscience. We have to be super careful with that. There's another word instead of accusation. It's conviction. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit, conviction. This is where sin is revealed, but it puts hope in the Savior, Jesus Christ. It takes us from sin to Savior. It takes us from sin to Savior. Don't miss that. From sin to, everybody say from sin to Savior. From sin to Savior. Dude, you have to catch that. I'm just telling you, religion that is based on conscience is a good works religion. Religion that is based on conscience is a legalism at the core. When conscience alone is all that is being used and it's pointing out what's wrong, but it leaves us just with our sin, we have a problem. Conscience. It's great for pointing out that things are wrong, right? If the speedometer says you're going 35 or 40 miles an hour and it's a 25 zone, conscience isn't wrong and the speedometer isn't wrong, right? When it's saying you're going 40, if you're going 40, you're going 40. That's the way it is, right? The reality is the information isn't what's wrong, but if it doesn't point past that to what to do next, get off the accelerator, right? If we're not catching the next step, then it doesn't help at all. And in fact, if all we're running with is, I'm over the speed limit, I'm doing it wrong, and that's all you've got, man, I'm telling you, it's going to be a hard walk. Please hear me. The Christian walk is not the walk that listens to the conscience alone. Please hear me. The Christian walk is not the walk that listens to the conscience alone. The conscience does speak and it does show us where we're off on things. At times it could even be off itself and seared. But the reality is we have to get past sin to the Savior. Praise be to God, we have hope. We have hope in Jesus Christ. So I just wrote these words down. Just listen to this. Religion that is based on, religion that is based on conscience points to sin alone. Religion that is based on the Holy Spirit points past sin to the Savior. Religion that is based on conscience leads to self-righteousness. Religion that is based on the Holy Spirit leads to Christ's righteousness. And don't miss that. If you feel yourself struggling with self-righteousness, The Holy Spirit is ready to take you to a journey of hope that brings you to Christ's righteousness. Religion that is based on conscience never forgets sin. I can't believe I did that years and years ago. Religion that is based on the Holy Spirit covers sin in Jesus Christ. Praise God, done. We have hope, man. Please hear me. The conscience ministry is necessary. It shows us right and wrong. But we need so much more than that. The Holy Spirit has to be a part of the ministry or we are stuck on self. Religion that is based on conscience leads to despair. Religion that is based on the Holy Spirit leads to hope. Religion that is based on conscience leads to isolation. Religion that is based on the Holy Spirit leads to relationship. Man, please hear me. If you were raised in a traditional church, if you were raised in a way where you heard the conscience speak, and you were told to respond to that and that alone, it becomes a good works journey so fast. Please be careful with that. 
Our job when we hear or see or notice that we are in the wrong is to instantly turn to the Holy Spirit and let him take over and lead us to the foot of the cross. We have hope in Jesus Christ. This is not a conscience ministry. This is a Holy Spirit ministry. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, dude, I'm telling you, this is deep and subtle. And you may not even know what's going on as you're hearing these words. I'm telling you, if you find yourself getting driven down deep into despair about self and sin, you're listening to conscience or you're listening to Satan attack, Holy Spirit has a whole other message coming along with it of hope. And all of God's people said, all right, enough said. Bottom line, we have privilege with our God. You know, this past week, a week and a half has been awesome. Just a time to get away. Uh, got a little bit of a break. Actually, uh, our family went up deer hunting. Shotgun season in Illinois uh, was a week ago. And so we were up deer hunting there. That's uncles and cousins. And my dad goes up. And this year, Alyssa was able to come up with. And, and so we were all up there shotgun hunting. We had a great time up there. Uh, fun to get up and hunt. I ended up getting a, a big doe. Alyssa got a nice buck, a good eight-point buck. So if you want to hear about that, you can ask her questions there. But uh, we had a lot of fun up there hunting, and uh, it was a blast. But I'm just telling you, best time of the whole weekend was Friday afternoon. The weather uh, was chilly in the morning, which was good for the deer moving around, but it warmed up in the afternoon, and it got to be like, I don't know, 38, 40 degrees. It was awesome. And we were just kicking back. I had already gotten a deer, so I went and sat with Alyssa, and we were sitting out along a fence line and some chairs there. And uh, deer weren't moving much, so we were just able to enjoy the weather and whisper a little bit and enjoy this sunshine just beating down on us. And man, we had a sweet, sweet time together. I'm telling you what, man, that was the best time of this weekend. It was just a little bit of time with Alyssa hanging out. Now you're crying and you're getting me crying, so I'm going to walk over here. <laughs> and uh, loved it. So I got a pic that we'll throw up. Uh, this is a picture from uh, us out there. I know, you're thinking, orange is sexy, right? <laughs> is that horrible? So uh, we were safe, but we weren't good looking, you know? So we were just out there kicking back and uh, just relaxing a few feet from each other. And I said, dude, we should take a selfie. So I picked up the phone and snapped a pic and I had no idea I was going to throw it into this. And then I thought, you know, maybe I should just share it here. The bottom line is we were able to laugh together. We were able to joke together. We were able to just sit quietly next to each other. We were able to enjoy some sweet time together, dwelling together. Man, please hear me. Your heavenly Father loves you, and he longs to hang with you, and he longs to dwell with you, and he longs to hear from you and to laugh with you and in the middle of your heartaches to hurt with you. Your God loves you with all he's got. Dwell with him. Full on everything given over to him in full assurance and confidence that he has your best in mind. Your God loves you. How are you doing it? Dwelling with him. Hand it over to him. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. Point number two. Hold fast. Hold fast to your faith without wavering. Hold fast to your faith 
without wavering. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast. This means grip tight. This means hold on. This means don't release. This means be committed to it. Be serious about it. Hold fast without wavering. Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. Don't get pushed back away. Hold on. Stand in there. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of your good faith. Literally, eyes fixed on him, worshiping and celebrating him. He uses the metaphor here of grip, holding fast. He says, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. The confession of our hope. Now, please hear me. This isn't the word hope like we use it today. And we've said this a number of times around here, but hope, it's not like, I hope so. Not that. It's hope as in an absolute certainty in what has been promised. A conviction and a certainty. That's hope. I am going after this with all I've got. And I know that my God is behind me in this. And I long for him to do a work. Hope. A conviction and a certainty. And uh, please hear me, man. There are too many churches in too many places that try to sell a hope about the here and now. I believe in Jesus Christ so that I'll have no more struggles. I believe in Jesus Christ so that I'll have all the riches in the world poured onto me. I believe in Jesus Christ so, and they're looking for a here and now physical fix so that it's completely comfortable. Please hear me, that is not the hope that he's talking about here. The hope that he's talking about is a journey with our God, with us through this world. And it may bring pain in this world, but God is changing us one degree of glory at a time. And ultimately that hope is looking to eternity. Ultimately this hope is looking to what God is going to accomplish where sin is done. Ultimately, this is where there is no more pain and no more sorrow. Stop trying to make this world that place. It is all about eternity in perfection, heaven, with our king, may God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, hope. I hope in the future with my king, and I'm longing for him to do a work. My confession of my hope, and I'm holding on with all I've got, God's got a plan. And I'm truly counting on him. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Know this, man. Your God will make good on everything he says, bar none. He is faithful. You can trust in him. You can count on him. Hang on. Hang in there. Hope. When our God says it, he does it. Period. And we are leaning in on him and counting on him. Please hear me, this isn't some hope in some circumstance. This is a hope in the character of a God who never fails us. Hope. May we lean on him with all we've got. Now, we've done this before, and since we did this, a little bit of a physical moment with the prayer thing, with raising your hands up, right? The adoration, confession, with putting your hands to your chest, and then the supplication or the asking with hands down in your lap, right? Let's do one more physical thing here. What does it look like to hold fast to our confession of hope? 
And we've used this before, but it's a good remembrance tool, right? So everybody just raise your hand up and make a little bit of a fist. Make it soft, though. Don't squeeze tight, okay? You feel it just kind of loose, all right? Now, squeeze down tight, as tight as you can, okay? This is holding fast, okay? Got it tight, okay? Now squeeze tighter. You know some of you were holding back. You know you were, right? You're like, I'm not going to squeeze that tight. Squeeze tighter yet, okay? If your arm's not shaking, you're not squeezing tight, right? Squeeze tight, right? Keep holding it, all right? Now ease up just a little bit. You feel it in your fingers that you've been gripping tight? Can you feel that in your joints? Right, just hang on for a little bit. Just watch. You notice how you don't feel it that much anymore? And all of a sudden, our grip isn't that tight, and we don't even feel it that much. Now grip down tight again. This is holding fast. It is so easy to lose the sense of whether we're holding fast or not. Hold fast. May God get all the glory as our hope and our faith are in him. And all of God's people said, may we walk holding on tightly to the hope we have in him. Point number three. So as we've talked now about dwelling, we've talked about um, holding fast. Those are the things that we're going after. Our purpose statement is glory in Jesus Christ and those things uh, being true as we go after him individually and corporately. Now we're going to talk about the gathering. Point number three, gather regularly and encourage one another on in faithful worship. Gather regularly and encourage one another on in faithful worship. It says, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. How to stir one another up to love and good works. Uh, stir one another up, cheerleading. Like how to bring it in a way that gets them going. Have you ever been at a game where you've just seen loser cheerleaders? Where they're not helping anybody do anything? Like, come on, you can do it. Right? And you're like, I wouldn't want to win the game. It doesn't even matter right now to you. Does it matter or not, right? Our job is to stir up. Don't be the loser cheerleader, man. Care about people. Lean in with. Encourage along the way. Calling them to step out with all you've got. To stir one another up. To love and good works. Love. A sacrificial care for others. Love. Where you're giving of yourself to care for others. Love and good works, where you're doing those things that model the character of your God, good works, where you're going after the things that look just like Christ would look in this world, love and good works. May we cheerlead each other on. May we stir one another up. May we rally beside each other. Come on, man, let's go after this. We can do this. Let's do this together and calling each other out. Why do we gather together as a church? Please hear me. We do not gather together to be a club. Please hear me on that. It's super important that you grasp the difference. Like, it's not wrong to have relationship and friendship. And, you know, in general, you come in, you sit in kind of the same spot each week-ish, right? Some of you are like, they took my seat, right? 
You sit in kind of the same spot and, and you get to know the people around you and you kind of get to handshake with them, catch up ahead of time as you're talking with them before or after the services, right? And, and you start to build a little bit of a friendship. Maybe in your impact group, you've got more relationship and friendship, but be careful. It's not just about the friendship. Friendship's great, but it's so much more than that. It's not just a club, man. We are here to worship Jesus Christ. We are here to celebrate him with all we've got. We are here to dwell in the presence of God Almighty. We are here to hold fast and to challenge one another on that God might be worshiped. And all of God's people said, huge deal that we grasp that. And he says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And uh, let me just give a little example. Uh, Love and good works. You know, we've got impact groups and challenging people to come join us, be a part of it, or studies that we have going on at different times. Man, you don't want to miss out, and you hear us from the front announcing these studies, or the women's event that's coming up this weekend. Ladies, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a sweet time of worship here in this Christmas season. Make sure you get registered for that, and, and uh, man, it's just awesome to be able to challenge along the way. We've got one coming up in February, and uh, it's coming up February 14th. Hopefully that date means something to you guys. February 14th, right? So Valentine's Day is a Friday night. Friday night and Saturday morning is going to be a marriage conference. And we're going after it. We're going to go after celebrating Christ, making much of him as our marriages are strengthened and God gets all the glory. May each of our marriages get a little bit stronger. Now, we're actually going to have it Friday night. We can go ahead and throw the slide up there. Friday night and Saturday morning is going to have some information there. Uh, Gary Thomas is the speaker. This is an internationally renowned speaker and author. He's a great guy. He's hilarious. He's got a ton of insight to marriage. He's got just some astounding ability at being able to bring marriages up a notch and making much of Jesus Christ and working with each other. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss out on this. Guys, please hear me. Guys, males, please hear me. Set your calendars. It's February 14th, Friday night. You're booked. You already got Valentine's Day cooked. Isn't that awesome? Way to go, man. So Valentine's Day, Friday night, and Saturday morning. Get signed up, all right? It's going to be $20 a person to register online. We already have the registration going. Like I said, this is an international speaker. There's going to be a pretty good uh, uh, attention to this. You're going to want to be a part of it. Don't miss out. So if you're married, you want to be here for this. If you're engaged, you want to be here for this. If you're dating seriously, you may want to be here for this. That's your call. But I'm telling you, this could be a strong, strong insight to what it is to have a healthy marriage that honors one another and celebrates our God and brings glory to him. Don't miss it. Just so you know, you just felt a little bit of what it means to stir one another on to love and good works, right? Like, let's go after this together. And this auditorium holds 1,400 people. Let's pack it full learning what it is to have marriages that honor our Savior. Ready? And all of God's people said. Okay. So you can register online. I'm telling you, it sounds like it's forever away, right? You hear February, you're like, you've got to be kidding me. December is going to race by with all that's going on in Christmas, and then it's just a handful of weeks away and we're on it. So make sure you get registered. Don't miss out. We wanted to make it available before the Christmas season so you could start getting signed up. Talk together. Get your plans together. Guys, get yourselves booked up. This will be Friday night, 7 to 9, and Saturday morning, uh, 8.30 until we'll call it noonish. And it should be a great time. Look forward to God getting all the glory. All right? 
being able to stir one another on to love and good works. How do we do it? Well, he gives a little bit of information here. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Not neglecting to meet together. Can you believe that? Like, a couple thousand years ago, the author of Hebrews, he's like, they had the habit of blowing off church then, too. Like, not neglecting the gathering together. Don't miss it. There's something that happens in this room as we gather together and God starts to do a work. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Like, we can do this, man. You can do this. Remember what's going on. I'm praying for you, being able to do those kinds of things. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, the day. This is when Christ returns. He's like, just so you know, this broken down world is coming to an end, man. And let's stay with each other. Let's hang with each other. Let's celebrate our God and let's long for Christ to come back. May God get all the glory. Let's go after this together. A church on fire. Please hear me. To be a church on fire, we will be drawing near to Jesus Christ personally. And we're going to spend time alone with him. Lord, rock my world. I'm ready to celebrate who you are. I'm holding fast to the hope that you've given me. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about a church on fire. When the believers rally together, And there's a movement going on in the place and the Holy Spirit starts to spread into each heart. And as he's rocking hearts, believers beginning to worship. And as they're getting into it, the unbelievers around them, literally blown away with who God is, fall on their knees and it says, they cry out, surely God is among us. That's a church on fire. You don't want to miss out on that, man. As the Holy Spirit moves in this place and believers are getting fired up, you have a job to be celebrating your God with all you've got and lifting him up, to be in on whatever needs to change in you that God might get the glory. And you watch unbelievers around you going, dude, I want some of that. What's going on in this place? God is among us. That is a purposeful gathering. We get together that God might get the glory and he might rock our world. And all of God's people said, there is one God, there is one Lord, there is one hope, and he is our king and we worship him. Let's pray. 